Welcome back to the pod, Ben Baldwin, the computer cowboy. Um, we're going to do our annual exercise here of ranking front offices, best and worst. And I was going to say we're going to make a handful of fan bases upset <laughs> and then a handful of fan bases happy. But judging by the comments that we got last year, um, no one's really happy. Everyone's just a <laughs> Yeah, I, I think the, the teams that are going to be at the top of the list kind of already know that the nerds think highly of their teams, and then the ones at the bottom are just always angry with us. Yeah, pr pretty much, pretty much. I've changed around, though. I have to say, I've changed around some rankings. I've tried to digest everything that happens. Maybe I'm a little bit too reactive to everything that's going on. So wisdom of crowds is what you get maybe by combining both of our rankings and, of course, listening to what some other smart people may be saying out there. Okay, before we get into the rankings, uh, Mr. Baldwin, is there anything that stood out to you about this particular draft cycle um, other than banging your head against the wall when the Seahawks <laughs> take another running back in the second round because their board must be trusted, it must be followed, it is sacrosanct to, to do so? Yeah, this gets it. One of the struggles with this exercise that I thought I would ask you about too is how do we separate, like when we're ranking a team in, in terms of the analytical front rankings, how do we separate the owner and the GM and the head coach? Like for example, there a team could have a really sharp general manager, but if his head coach doesn't want to go for fourth downs or his owner tells him you have to trade up to get Will Anderson or something, then are we kind of combining that all together into the final decision of the team and saying like, sorry, Mr. General Manager, you're probably a smart analytical guy, but you have these other decisions imposed on you. So you're getting penalized for this. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I would say it's safer without explicit knowledge that one party is driving a bad decision who is not the, you know, there's not technically part of the front office, unless we explicitly know that. I think it's safest, at least the way that I've looked at it, just to combine it all together. Because maybe you could also say, I don't think this is true. I mean, definitely not 100% true. But maybe you could also say part of the job of being a good GM, maybe a lot more of the job than most people think is you know, talking ownership off of a ledge, talking coaches out of yep. becoming uh, amateur scouts themselves and saying they really need a particular player and putting them back on their board when they're off their board, talking, uh, maybe talking Patrick Mahomes out of uh, <laughs> wasting a pick on, on a player that he likes. Although I think that's worth it. I'm willing to let, that was my, one of my takes in an earlier pod is I'm willing to let uh, Patrick Mahomes burn one draft pick every draft season if he wants to on a player of his choice because he's that because he's that worth it. But I think it's just safe probably to say that and maybe we can we can discuss as part of the discussion uh, what we think about that. So that, hopefully that doesn't uh, ruin your rankings. Nope, I, I think that's right. I, I thought it was just something good to talk about beforehand. Um, and how did you feel last year about your number two most analytical team, the Indianapolis Colts and Jeff Saturday's um, – <laughs> analytics tirade afterwards <laughs> well yeah i mean that was that was something but 
I'll give them credit. I think they redeemed themselves. You'll be, I, I actually think I might've been low key f- felt good about that one versus like being forward thinking a little bit um, versus, versus some others. But I agree that wasn't great. And I, I, I think without even knowing a hundred percent, I think we really do know like who was driving the bus as far as putting Jeff Saturday um, in there. Although Jim Irsay, I'll give him some credit. He was with me on potentially drafting two quarterbacks in this last draft. So um, uh, he, he could have been with me on the dying on that, on that hill. So what, what I've done for this, and maybe I'll even bring it up for anyone who's watching on uh, YouTube eventually, or also so, so Ben can see it right here. So there is a, okay. So what I've done is I've compiled here the rankings some of it from, I say consensus. That's these are the NFL.com rankings that uh, Greg Rosenthal puts together. I think he's a pretty thoughtful dude. He's a good analyst, um, so he's probably not actually consensus. He's probably a little bit less reactive than some others. But these are the rankings that he had, and then he had a number of rankings at the end for teams where he says they were too new to even judge: the Vikings, the Titans, the Steelers. The Cardinals, the Bears, the Giants, and the Raiders. I, I would kind of disagree. I think anyone who's been through two cycles, I'm okay at judging right here. Yep. Um, but maybe the Cardinals and the Titans, it's a little bit, and the Steelers, I guess, is a little bit early to, to figure those out. Um, and then I've also have our rankings from last year on here where we didn't rank them, you know, one through whatever. We we said who are the I had the, the the top five best and the top five worst. You had the top five best, the bottom three worst, and then you also agree with me the 49ers were were overrated. So maybe quickly we'll just take a lay of the land of what we had last year before we get into the best and the worst this year. Um so last year we both had the Ravens as being the best. And then other ones, you had the Bills, then the Browns, then the Eagles then the Rams um I had the second best being the Colts which we'll discuss here um then we also the Browns at third the Eagles also at fourth we were in alignment a lot uh, on this side of the equation and then the Chargers because I kind of ran out of options honestly um for who I like there and I put the Chargers then as being the fifth best okay so that's the that's kind of like the the lay of the land for what we're going to talk about here I'll let you start here and we'll start at number five. And then if you reveal anyone who's also on my list, I'll talk about it. If it's not on my list, I won't talk about it. And then we'll just move down to, to number one. Cause mine's mine have shifted around a bit. I think there's been some additions. There's been some shifts here. Again, I may be too reactive here. Um, but part of it, I think, and you'll probably be part of this too, is to think not only the actions that they've taken, but maybe their general inclination slash hiring practices when it comes to having analytical thinkers in the front office. Yeah, so I I had the Rams at five last year and I looked for a team to move ahead of them and I couldn't do it. Maybe you'll uh, successfully sell me on the Colts, <laughs> but they had a horrible season this past year on the field in terms of injuries and stuff. And part of the reason I put them at five was because they like, they really invest in this sports science stuff and never got injured. And I thought that was a point in their favor. Obviously that looked horrible during the past year, but in terms of big picture, like they, they invest in high value positions. They 
they went out and got a quarterback when their head coach thought it wasn't workable uh, with the last quarterback. And perhaps that hasn't aged great either, <laughs> comparing how Goff and Stafford played in, in this past season. But in terms of like teams that I mostly trust to not do anything catastrophically bad, I, I think they're still up there. And this isn't as much a vote of confidence in the Rams' favor as much as like looking around the league and trying to find another team that could replace them. Okay. So I, I do, again, this season, I do not have, or this year, I do not have the Rams in my top five. Um, I don't know. I guess for me, I wasn't as sold on the sports science stuff just because it's really opaque to, to figure <laughs> out. And obviously it's, it's all results based, but you know, if it's consistently good, you could probably get something out of that. Uh, we know they have people working on it. So that's, that's part of it. Um, what I will also say though, for them is how, I mean, how do we think about the Rams if, you know, that, that, that Stafford interception against the 49ers was caught rather, rather than dropped and they get eliminated. They don't have the Super Bowl. I know there's a lot of thinking you could say, well, they did all these things. They went all in everything else they did. They got their Super Bowl. So when everything crumbles to hell <laughs> the last couple <laughs> of seasons, it's okay. Um, but I don't know. I guess I just have trouble figuring out other than, like you said, Stafford Stafford probably kind of wanted to go to the Rams too, so there's some some luck there. The Aaron Donald extension was just a, a, an abomination. Uh, they just threw money at him for because he said he was going to retire, I guess, um, some other things. And I don't know. I, I think they've been good in the draft, dealing with the fact that they have no draft picks. Uh, but this season, we really saw them. <laughs> they had 10 picks in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round this year because they traded back so many times and accumulated so many of those picks. I don't know. Like, I'm all about trading back. I'm all about taking shots. But even I don't know how that's going to work out um, and figuring out their whole cap situation now that they have Stafford on, on a bigger deal. So, I don't know. I, I think there's just enough there where I'm skeptical, at least, that they're going to be able to turn this around because the offensive line is probably also going to be really bad again this year. And sure. – You'll have your and will enjoy your Stafford versus uh, <laughs> offensive line rankings with Jared Goff there, and I don't know. I'm not confident that he's going to necessarily have a great year this year with probably a bottom five offensive line. Yeah, I think that's all fair. They are a, a very hard team to pigeonhole, I guess, just because they operate so differently than everybody else with never having early picks, and that came back to burn them this year when they sent a very high pick uh, to the Lions and. It'll, I'll, I'll be interested to see what they, how they approach this year. It, I think it would be reasonable to take all these young guys that they drafted and give them a lot of playing time and expect to be bad this year and then maybe take their shot on a quarterback next year. I think that's what I would do, and we'll, we'll see if that's actually the path that they take. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like I said, it was almost – it was I guess it was the Vikings a few years ago who had a bunch of seventh-round picks. I'm not sure much ever came from that. Um, at least it was fifth round too. But it was interesting how they had a very different strategy, though, than the 49ers, which yeah, – spoiler alert, I'll discuss them as part of my strategy – of having so few picks but what you're going to do with them where the 49ers like traded up somewhat, um, didn't trade back, whereas the Rams were trying to you know make – you know, chicken salad out of chicken shit in a way. Uh, and they were doing the reverse there. 
for for the 49ers. Okay. So my team that I'm ranking as fifth best this year. Um, and again, I'm just going to put the Chargers there because I don't think they've done anything that bad. I think they were a team that was taking some calculated risks going last year when it came to Khalil Mack, which didn't work out. Um, some other free agent signings like JC Jackson that didn't work out. Were those bad plays? I don't know. You know, I, I think there was an element of having free agents that you can sign that maybe only have a shelf life of a year or two while you have Herbert on this rookie contract that maybe it was worth it. Now, the results didn't come through. Uh, they didn't make any trades in the draft. They're not really a trading team in the draft, but I guess I just haven't seen them do necessarily anything that's that bad. Um, not jumping to negotiate some sort of deal with Austin Eckler is probably going to be a good move in the long term. And bringing in another wide receiver, which I think gives them some flexibility to maybe even move on from, you know, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen or whoever next year, because I'm not a huge fan of Williams in that contract. Um, I don't know. There's just a, not a lot that I can really pick at. I mean, they drafted a guard last year in the first round, so that's not great. But still, they were building up that offensive line. I just think they, they have the potential and they've set the baseline at least to be a pretty good team if things come together. And last year was in the lower range of outcomes, I feel like, for, for their team, although in a stacked AFC. So I'm, I'm going to keep them at fifth in my rankings. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. And just like with the Rams in this range, there's not there's not a team that you can say they're clearly a top five and we're not going to be able to nitpick at any of their decisions if i were a chargers fan the thing i would be most optimistic about would be seeing what kellen moore can do uh, with this offense and and maybe that will totally change the look and efficiency of their offense this year so that's one thing i would be excited about for them yeah it'll be interesting it's interesting i feel like the dynamic of flipping out uh lombardi for kellen moore because (laughs) these are two guys that are kind of both at least in the last year were just kind of hated by people who are Justin Herbert and Dak stands. And I feel like there's a lot of overlap in that for different people. So then, you know, like if the quarterback you like is underperforming, then you just hate the offensive coordinator. So, you know, I, I agree. I think it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Although I'm not certain that the, the short a dot, maybe lower risk passing game is 100% Lombardi as opposed to being something that maybe Herbert actually likes to do also is just get the ball out of his hands quickly. So uh, we'll see there. They still have Eckler, so I'm sure they'll be they'll be feeding him him the ball there. Uh, okay, I go to you. Are we, are we just going to – hopefully we won't just give the same exact teams that we gave in the same exact order last year. But who is your fourth best front office, Mr. Bolden? Yeah, so I don't have the same order as last year. So last year, fourth, we both had the Eagles. I have promoted them, which we'll talk about later. But right, big Eagles, yeah. big Eagles. Uh, you, you've been, you've been, you've been influenced. They've gotten to you, big Eagles, moving them up yes. the rankings. Okay. Um, and teams two through four are really hard to separate for me, but I kept the Browns here, and this is probably unfairly low on them. And like the Rams, they haven't had early picks for us to see how they would use them. So we're kind of operating off limited information. And and there's also the huge question of 
Deshaun Watson and the, the trade for him and was this a good idea in both the on-field and especially off-field sense. So for all those reasons, I'm keeping them at four. Um, I think they've done a good job of using the resources that they have available to them. Their trades with draft picks have tended to be good. Um, they they built an offensive system where Jacoby Brissett could come in and do well with the good offensive line. They got Amari Cooper for very cheap. And they're I, I think they're setting aside the Deshaun Watson thing again. Thing again, I, they're a team that I would trust to not make any catastrophically bad decisions so it's kind of by default um i have i have placed them here okay yeah yeah big uh yeah the 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 eagles industrial complex the howie (laughs) roseman industrial complex also it's gotten to me they have also gotten to me um and i do not have them at fourth anymore and we are in alignment here because i have the browns moving from third down to fourth i guess i'm Okay, the Deshaun Watson thing was also part of our decision making last year. Yep. Uh, when we had them third, so you know that that's that's part of everything. So I didn't want to like double hit them necessarily and move them down further based upon that. Um, they haven't done anything draft wise that I've really been that upset about. Free agent wise, I think it's been fine. Um, they've taken some big swings sometimes on in the past, you know, an Austin Hooper type of candidate, which maybe wasn't the best, but they've also made some good trades, you know, getting Amari Cooper, getting Elijah Moore, which I think is interesting, like for a pick swap, they're doing this pick swap thing. They're doing it with Zadarius Smith now, where at least for Elijah Moore, I think it's interesting in that if they don't have high value draft picks to get wide receivers, they don't have a ton of cap space going forward to get wide receivers. Maybe this is like a good way to get, cheap potential talent is by like grabbing someone like an Elijah Moore, where they're basically giving him away to make room for, you know, uh, Randall Cobb over, <laughs> over, <laughs> over with the jets, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. Um, and I don't know with the Watson deal. Like, I don't think if you, if you can set aside, you know, the egregious nature of his crimes, I'll just say, uh, and his actions, which I think are, are, it's pretty hard to deny that something didn't happen there. Um, he probably was one of the quarterbacks for how he performed through the two, 2020 season, who was really worth that type of mortgaging the future, trade everything, give them the highest paid contract. Maybe guarantees I'm not going to get into that necessarily. Um, but when we're talking about free agency, essential free agency there, like I don't think it was an overpay. For Watson, I know he wasn't good last year, but I guess I think that he will more likely bounce back than not when we're talking about Deshaun Watson purely on the field. Now, maybe part of the overpay is that if something else happens with him and he gets suspended again, then that's uh, you know that just blows up your your entire franchise. So, and you combine that with the fact that I do think they have good people working there. They have probably the most sophisticated and skilled group of analysts there to work with tracking data and other things that's been in place for a long time. I'm fine putting them there, but yeah, the, the, I think fourth is, is good enough. Basically. You don't necessarily have to put them higher. Okay. okay. In, in agreement there. Okay. Let's go. Uh, why don't you give me third? Okay. So I have a tie at second place because I was staring at these two teams and I was like, these are, 
basically the exact same team. So <laughs> you, you can you can tell me uh, if, if you can guess who the teams are. So they don't do anything like horrifically stupid, but they um, they're pretty good on fourth downs. Um, they uh, they're like they're generally pretty well run, but seem to not. Um, fully buy-in on positional value when it comes to making draft picks, and they probably underinvested at wide receiver, given that they have a franchise quarterback to build around. Can you guess who the two teams are? Um. Well, I mean, <laughs> invest underinvested wide receiver. So I guess the Ravens. Yep. And um, underinvested wide receiver. Who else is on this? Who Who was on your list last so, year? Let me. So. Look. The, the Bills are the other team. So oh, they, the Bills. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Stephon Diggs is quite an investment there. But yeah, okay. I mean, well, at least contract-wise. But okay, I'll, I'll give that to you. I do like the framing, though. Like, haven't done anything horrifically awful. You know, it's like hang the banner. <laughs> That's like the hang the banner there for, for us when it comes to uh, a good front office. Yeah, there, there's such a limited amount of things that we observe about teams that I think I've... I've come around more to saying like how many, how many decisions have teams made that are like disqualifyingly horrible and the teams at the top are the, the teams that have generally avoided these decisions. And for the teams at the bottom, we'll, we'll get to that soon. Um, but yeah, I, I can't remember which order. Oh, I, I guess I, we both had the Ravens first last year, right? So this is a small yes. de- demotion because the, the big Eagles industrial complex has gotten to. It's, got, both it's gotten to you more than me. Spoiler yeah. alert. It's gotten to you a little bit more than me, but and, go ahead. With the Ravens, I think I was probably too high on them last year. And especially when it comes to their draft picks, like they've spent a lot of very high picks on what are not premium positions. And I think that's what differentiates looking at what differentiates the Eagles from the Ravens. So, of course, there was that the 2020 draft when their first two draft picks were a off-ball linebacker and a running back. And then last year they had two first-round picks. They drafted a, a safety and a center. And then this year they they drafted a wide receiver first, and that was their only pick in the first two rounds because they had traded another first to or their second round pick to give a lot of money to an off-ball linebacker who's probably really good, but it, it's hard to imagine that that trade is going to work out for them. So with all those combined, that is that is how the Ravens have lost their position at number one for me. Okay. I can I can dig that. Well, I'll talk about the Ravens more in a second um see i don't have the bills in my top five so i don't think i did i think this was was a disagreement that we had also last year where you had the bills second i believe and i did not have them in my top five and for me when it comes to the bills they have a little bit, and especially they had this last season, a little bit of all-in-ism to what they're doing. And now this year, where they could have taken some of their medicine when it came to enormous jumps in contract value for Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Vaughn Miller, um, they didn't really, they didn't do it. I mean, they restructured Allen, so he goes down. Diggs contract hit goes up but it's going to go up even more miller again is kind of like a a down thing and maybe it's not going to matter like maybe it's not going to matter eventually but it's like every year i feel like you're looking at this massive cap increase next year i mean if you look at allen his cap hit's going to be 50 million next year Diggs is going to be 28 million 
Miller's going to be 24 million. Um, where they were in the same situation last year and they had this whole thing where Brandon Bean at the end of the season, you know, he got, he was getting dunked on a little bit for the fact that he was contrasting the bills to the Bengals saying, Hey, it's a lot harder to, you know, build a team when you don't have your star receiver and quarterback on rookie deals. The thing was last year, the bills didn't have big cap hits on these guys. You know, they had very small cap hits. They were still part of the, the window at the first couple of years of contracts where they had small cap hits. Um, now they're going to have to start to deal with a little bit this season, but they've kind of just kicked the can, which is in contrast to Kansas city last year. Um, well, also, who also do not have my top five, but I'll give them credit that last year I thought they did well in, they allowed Mahomes' contract to go up. They didn't really restructure anything. They lost some talent because of it. And guess what? They were still like championship-level team and were able to actually win the title without having to pour and do this all-in thing every season. So I guess that's what concerns me about the Bills. In addition to, you know, whatever. They spent a second-round pick on a, on a running back last year. Um they're not exactly immune to some of the positional value problems in, in my mind for what they end up doing. So I guess I, I just feel like when you have a, a quarterback like Allen, I realize you want to be all in every season, um, but are they compromising their ability to be successful in a year, two years from now by continuing to push the chips in? Whereas if they didn't do that, they would still be a top, three or four team at worst in Super Bowl odds, even if they were taking some of their medicine this season. Yep. I think that's, that's another fair criticism of them. And again, it's like, I can't necessarily point out like, again, they may not be doing egregiously bad stuff, but I don't know if I can necessarily point out anything that's that, that's that great for, for them. So I'll just, okay. I'll just reveal here for me. I have the Eagles as my third best. So obviously they're your, your number one. So we can talk about them. Yeah. I gave them a slight promotion, but I did not move them too far. And I'll talk about some of my, some of my concerns, uh, some of my pushback, which may get me, uh, you know, maybe renditioned out to some black site somewhere. If I'm talking bad about the Eagles, but we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Um, But for my third and second teams, I had the, so the Eagles there for third. And then second, I have the Ravens. Um, and a lot of the thing with the Ravens, the drop is a lot of the same stuff you talked about. Some positional value problems that are going on here. Uh, the Roquan Smith resigning. Some of the play like in the draft last year of. And I know that they got Kyle Hamilton a lot later than a lot of people would have drafted him but even looking at it back today like he's he's probably gone down a lot more than value than a lot of mid first round picks would have gone down in value I know that kind of was a receiver run before them um, so they couldn't get there but I think Jahan Dodson and Traylon Burks were still left like if you could have those two guys straight up versus Kyle Hamilton who are you taking um, it's weird like how quickly the positional value starts to bleed into these guys's perception and their values after the draft, but they're not quite appreciated during the draft. So taking a safety and a center in the first round last year, they got value on both of those guys versus consensus big board, but we're starting to see the the fallacy of, of even doing that when other teams are passing on guys. 
So I do think there are issues there. I did like how they negotiated the Lamar Jackson deal. I thought they were very smart there. I think it was difficult to accomplish because of Lamar's situation and wanting the the guaranteed. I thought using the non-exclusive franchise tag was fairly brilliant in that it kept the cap hit down so it was realistic they could franchise tag him again next year. And it gave Lamar some feedback from the rest of the NFL that maybe you know he's not on that sort of level. And then the Jalen hurts deal happens and he's willing to, you know, give me 5% more in all categories and I'll take the deal. So I, I thought that they played that well and I'll give them credit there. Cause I thought that was a very difficult negotiation. We see lots of teams who don't push back at all when it comes to the quarterback negotiation. And I think it can end up hurting them eventually. Yep. They got roasted at the time for it too. And all these other teams that weren't, reportedly weren't interested in Lamar Jackson and <clears throat> it kind of makes sense given that the, the Ravens could match and eventually they extended him and here they are with Lamar for a long time, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the relationship might've been in a bit more trouble. I think it's interesting that his extension happened the day of the draft. Not that they would have drafted a quarterback, but I don't know. That's pretty like, it's interesting to me because I don't think Lamar benefits if they don't draft a quarterback. I don't think Lamar benefits in any way from doing it then versus waiting to see what maybe Burrow or Herbert end up, end up getting other than maybe he just wanted to, to have it done. So I thought that they did the well, well there. Okay. So we know the Eagles are your number one. I'm going to go ahead. Now you're going to, now you're, now you can roast me. You thought you were roasting me last year. Now you can (laughs) super roast me this year when I put Chris Ballard and the Indianapolis Colts. Hey everybody. This was a free version of a paid subscriber podcast at unexpectedpoints.substack.com. And if you cannot afford a subscription at this point, let me know. Either shoot me an email at unexpectedpts at gmail.com, send me a note or leave a comment on the Substack, or hit me up on Twitter at Kevin Cole, triple underscore. Let me know that you're experiencing some you know, financial hardship at this point. I will give you a no questions asked six-month subscription to the pod. You can get these premium podcasts and all of my other premium content. Thank you so much for listening and more content coming your way next week.